Today on Let's Talk Limbic Sparks, I'm with Leslie Koppel, Executive Director of RISE, a social services nonprofit in New Jersey with a mission to assist local families and individuals in recovering from setbacks and achieving their full potential. I'm Kevin Perlmutter, Chief Strategist and Founder of Limbic Brand Evolution, a brand strategy and neuromarketing consultancy that taps into emotional insight to strengthen connections between brands and people. The limbic system part of our brain supports emotion, motivation, behavior, and memory. And I'm curious how my guests are creating what I call limbic sparks, which happen when emotional motivation meets brand desire. I love talking with brand leaders who are turning emotional insight into a competitive advantage to drive business growth for the brands that they serve. Leslie, thank you so much for joining me today on this 25th episode, and let's talk Limbic Sparks. I'm delighted to be here, especially on this momentous anniversary. I can't believe it, 25 episodes, and I'm so happy that you are joining me. You are you are one of my favorite people to speak with. How are you doing today? Great, because it's sunny. So we're in, just to paint, paint the picture, we are in central New Jersey, and it is springtime. And there is nowhere better to celebrate daffodils and tulips and flowers than in central New Jersey, the Garden State in the springtime. It is the most beautiful time of the year. And I'm going to just enjoy that. I love it. That is so cool. We met nearly three years ago. I can't believe it. Three years ago when I first started getting involved with Rise. And over this period of time, I am constantly, constantly in awe of your leadership of Rise and your ability to manage so many things and so many people with such an incredible sense of calm at all times. <laughs> Maybe you don't show me when I'm not when it's not. What is it that motivates you and keeps you always smiling? Other than, you know, sunny days, um, I have the privilege of helping people with a nonprofit. So I am one of those rare people where work and play and life and joy get combined. So I have my dream job and I get to do it. And part of it is all the people that I work with, including yourself and the Limic Sparks that we have created with Rise. That's why it keeps me, it really keeps me happy and motivated um, to be doing what I love and bringing a lot of joy and compassion to the people around me. As a nonprofit leader, I know that you're fueled by the team of people who you work with, your staff the board members and volunteers who all support Rise's work every single day. What are the most important values that you look for in the people who you surround yourself with? Compassion is one. Uh, empathy is the other. And I, I, for me, compassion and empathy go hand in hand. It's such a great group of people and so many different personalities and so many skill sets coming to the table. And it's just amazing to me how you keep bringing new and new people every time, more and more new people every time we need something. There's new people who show up. And as Nancy says, they suddenly appear and they contribute and they deliver. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. When a brand is mentioned, it actually sparks an impression. Brands have this ability to paint a picture in your head when you hear the brand name. And I'd love for listeners to get to know a little bit more about you through the lens of brands. 
Can you name a few brands that paint a picture of what you're all about and why you chose them? One brand that, and I, I need to tell you why first. So I have a dog that is attached to me at the hip, right? She's my COVID puppy has been coming with me wherever I go. I love and, Tilly. And I love Tilly, right? <laughs> but I was thinking about Chewy. Now, Chewy, when I think of Chewy, I think of pets. But when, when, and I, somebody told me a story about Chewy that I will never forget. And, and this is true for all the, and I've heard it several times now, when a pet passes and God willing, we're all going to outlive our pets, right? Like, but, it, but they pass and it's devastating. Chewy sends a bouquet of flowers and a sympathy card to pet owners when their pet passes. So if you're on a subscription plan and you say, you, I no longer need this, they send you flowers. I think that it touches just the the compassion that they have as a brand, right? To realize the emotional devastation that people have and the care that they have about their pets. But people talk about it. Like it made me feel better when Chewy reached out to me with these flowers and didn't charge me for my last order. And like children, we sometimes keep on having more. So, you know, it's it to me, that's a, a brand that really speaks to um, my heart. I didn't know that about Chewy. That is that is an amazing example. Are, is there another brand that you feel paints a picture of what you're all about? This one's kind of silly. It's Applebee's. Now, I'm not a fat. I don't really like chains, but Applebee's between their pictures of like every having everyone having fun, but each Applebee chain enables their community. Like if you go into Applebee's, like somehow like your high school is featured there. So whoever decorates or whatever, they bring in all the local stuff. So it's meaningful to your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And that to me makes it special, even though it pops up all over, but each one's a little bit different and it's geared toward like where you are. So I think that's another example of how, tailoring your brand to the people in your immediate community is impactful. So those are really cool examples. And I love that it brings together your compassion with uh, the, the way you think about community. And it's just, it's really, it's really cool to hear those two examples brought together. I, I want to turn to the nonprofit work that you do, and you've dedicated your career to nonprofit and community related work. Why is this work so important to you? Because it creates limbic sparks <laughs> for me personally. <laughs> it really does. Like talk about that a little bit. What do you mean by that? There, there's this, there's this absolute joy that I get from helping others be successful. So I am the cheerleader personality. My thing is watching, putting people together, creating. Uh, interwoven connection. So if I, and I could bring other people together, like matchmaking, like there's nothing that makes me happier than finding someone who needs something or, and putting those pieces of a puzzle together and then watching them glow, go forth and flourish. Like I'm a, like, I'd like to plant the seeds. I am not a waterer. I don't like to water, but I like to, to enjoy the flowers. So if I can plant all the seeds and get them started, and then some come up and some don't come up. I'm, I'm all good with that. But uh, I think that's what brings me to the community work. 
because I'm able to put so many different pieces of the community together. And the volunteers that we have are so powerful. And when you talk about Limbic Sparks, or you talk about things that motivate and accentuate the little pieces of joy that we have in our everyday life, if we give that to our volunteers, they keep coming back. It, it is so incredible to see how some of these volunteers have been with Rise for so long and they just keep giving and giving and giving of their time. They're part of the family. And it's, it's, that is always incredible to see. I would love for you to share a few details about Rise for those who aren't aware. What are the pillars of service that Rise makes possible? We serve immediate needs and often for many people that's food. So food insecurity is a big piece of what RISE is providing. We also follow up on that with emergency provisions, with coats, clothing, household items, and that's turned into a thrift store just sort of organically from garage sales to people needing things. We have a very successful thrift store. And then the most boring piece of what we do is also a pillar. It's case management. It's when people with big hearts meet individuals who are in some case, sometimes the worst part or the worst piece of their life that they've ever been in. And they need to come in and find some help and to walk through that door, often in a language that you're not familiar with or with customs that you're not familiar with, to walk in that door and ask for help and have our case managers provide that help is the largest pillar of which we sit, but it's very hard to describe the level of anxiety and desperation that some people have when they don't have immediate needs. And especially for parents of children, right? When you're responsible for your children, um, if with uh, just to be able to give them something, to a backpack to start the year, or register them for school, get them into a healthcare system. The things that we are able to do for people who are in need is very powerful. I'd love for you to share some statistics. I mean, I'm always, my mind is always boggled by the statistics of what RISE is doing in the community, how many people are being served. And can you just share a few of those? Sure. Well, we have 804 registered families. Those are families who have walked through the door in the past year and let us know all about them, including their financial information and their children. But the demographics of those families is is really telling. There's about 1,200 children. Over 50% of them are working full time. So these are working families who are doing their best and they need help from us. We gave out over 60,000 bags or boxes of food last year. We gave out over 1,200 turkeys with all the fixings last year. We have 20,000 volunteer hours in a single year. We have over 1,000 children registered for holiday parties. We move through the year where we're giving out pajamas and backpacks, over 1,000 backpacks to all local children. So we have seasonal programs, but each and every week, we are giving out food, we're giving out clothing, and we're providing an open door for families who need support. Wow. And I recall there was another statistic that was from about two years ago, uh, with a, a year or so after the pandemic started, that RISE ramped up services 300% to serve 300% more needy families than it had in the past. And if I'm remembering correctly, that number has sustained. It hasn't gone back down. 
Right. So there's, you know, we look at pre and post pandemic, but in the social service world, there's only post pandemic, like we've all almost forgot like pre pandemic, because every service that used to have an ebb and a flow, no longer do it's like full on seasonal hurricane all the time, which has not let up. And then across the board, what social service providers are finding is that as government help and other help has dwindled and it's being cut, people have gotten accustomed or needed more as inflation rises and as needs increase. So that influx of people into our system is not dissipating. And they might be getting kicked out of certain programs, but they still need the help as much or more than they they used to. So the um, sort of like the tides have come in, the levees have broken and they are not receding in terms of people that we're helping. Um, and that's, you know, it's not unique for our little, you know, agency in, in central Jersey. This is something that we're seeing across uh, certainly the state of New Jersey and across the country. So I imagine over your 13 years at Rise, there have been a number of big changes and milestones. And it sounds like that change, which has occurred over the last couple of years, is one of them. Have there been any other one or two milestones or things that you've noticed as as big shifts since you joined the organization? I, I think one of the big shift that we've noticed, and it's receded a little bit, is because we, we have so many people who are first generation and immigrants, and it's sort of the worldview of immigrants have shifted uh, throughout politically um, through the past couple years, and we're at a better place now than we were. But it's this idea that we need to treat people as humans and not look for where they're from. And I think we've had to really hold our head high and walk really strongly through these waters as an agency to protect the immigrant families that we're working with. And I think that's been a shift where we used to take for granted sometimes people's safety and their their status just to live and protect their children, you know, just to live and have their children um, be able to go to school in a friendly and safe environment. And that is something that's coming back. But I think as Americans and certainly as humans, we need to embrace that as most as best that we can. Um, and that political fe feature over the past, you know, five or six years has has shifted, but it's certainly shifted the the way that we feel the importance of our work is has also shifted because um, we got people who realized that they might not be able to make a difference throughout the country, but in their own backyard, you can make a difference. And that's where I've seen the shift is this realization that where you live, people may need help. And that even if you feel powerless in the larger sense, when you look around right where you are, there's things to do. You know, a full disclosure, I've been a very proud board member of RISE for the last several years. And since joining, uh, I've been providing pro bono brand development guidance to you and the board and, and working with you and your teams. And we've made some really good strides together, which I am so proud to have been a part of. I'd love to talk about your thoughts on brand, because I know it's not the place where you've always started. 
but it's become more prominent in how you think about things. Can you talk about how you're thinking about brand and the role of the Rise brand, how that's evolved over the last few years? I would be happy to. One thing, Kevin, with that you've done and brought to the brand and to the way that I think about the brand is simplicity. Before we had to explain, like, why is this valuable? And what is it? You don't need to do this. We look at how it's going to make you feel and how it makes other people feel very simply. And often it's just a sentence or two. It makes such a bigger impact than than words and explanations. It's it's so true that it's it is all about the emotional impact. And that's what we've been working on and talking about for so long is the emotional impact. And I like that you define it as simplicity and removing removing some of the complexity of language and explanation and really getting down to how you want people to feel. And if that's if that's the one one big thing that that we've been able to um work on together and that's had impact for rise that makes me that makes me so incredibly happy i can also say that you know as as an organization we're very uh, mission vision and values focused and um and and i have i was not part of creating the mission vision and values they they were created by you and the team um and our consultant allison before i arrived and i was inspired by the mission vision values of rise which is one of the reasons that I, I became so involved, but we've been working with those those brand ambitions for all of this time, and it's led to evolutions in our strategic plan. It's led to evolutions in brand messaging, and I want to start with with the strategic plan and how has how has the rise mission, vision, and values helped us evolve our long term strategic planning for rise. It's enabled the strategic plan to be very community focused. And although it's a very step-by-step process, and, and I don't want to keep reusing the word simple, but when you read our strategic plan and you look at the values of RISE, they're absolutely in step with each other. And I think when I say simple, I mean, there's no discord. And that's what the branding and the strategic plan and also the incorporation of each into the larger value system that RISE has developed and really internalized from our mission statement is what we're all about. The community that we've created is very in line with basic values that we have incorporated or that we learned sort of when we were younger and to be able to do that in real life as adults and as an organization and as people, I think is very refreshing. And maybe the word isn't simple, maybe it's refreshing, but it's uh, what we've been able to create is something that we just know is intrinsically good. And we've worked on what's intrinsically good, that feeling, and have created our Rise brand, but we've also been living it, and we're also doing it. And when all of those things come together, it sparks joy. Yeah, I 
It's so cool. And one of the things that I want to bring up is you rise and the mission really helps us get to something like you rise because some of the things you shared about what rise does for people is it helps them recover from setbacks, but the other aspect, the other side of our mission is helping people realize and reach their full potential. So can you talk about how you rise and the addition of you rise over the last year, a couple of years has helped us do that? You rise was developed as a portal for people to meet each other and the community to support each other during COVID when we couldn't see each other and pandemic was happening, where can we find some solace and some like-minded people? And you rise kind of came out of that, but as the pandemic has shifted, we've been able to use that same goal of bringing the community together into a more live space. So we have a U-Rise classroom. And in that classroom, by raising community awareness, by providing help or just helping people grow, we've been able to develop uh, English language learners who are people, um, it's actually a waiting list right now, but there's 125 students right now who attend every like three days a week just to learn English. And it's all taught by volunteers. There's a trust when you come into our U Rise campus that you're going to be treated with respect, that you can learn something new, like a new language. And also there's a trust between the volunteers and the teachers and the students that if something comes up, there's been, they need a new pair of glasses and they'll call the teacher and say, how can I get a new pair of glasses um, or something like that? So there's been relationships that have developed just in the classroom itself. A second part of U-Rise and the classroom development is that we're able to bring programs to people who wouldn't usually take them. We've had dance classes for low-income youth, and we have an art class cl coming up. We have programming classes. We have health workshops, and we're able to bring the trust factor that we have with some of the most marginalized individuals in our community and bring them into a classroom and provide them with education, respect, services. And that's part of the uh, providing dignity, but also providing the respect to the individuals in our community. And we're building our community sort of from that ground up. And from that, everyone is part in it, but we're all sort of rising by just bringing the hardest to reach people into our groups. It's so incredible just to think back on all of the things that Rise is doing in the community. One of the ways that that happens, as we touched on earlier, is through a lot of involvement, not only the staff and the board, but huge number of volunteers, uh, donations, sponsorships by local small and large businesses. What do you think is contributing to this wonderful outpouring of support that we get for RISE? It's an emotional response for the joy and connection that people feel when they're helping people and interacting with people and sh showing kindness. And what we've been able to develop through brand and doing it is to provide these levels of connection 
from very small scales to larger scales that people realize that what they are doing is making a difference. Wow. I love hearing that. It's so interesting to think back um, and think about how far it's all come. Um, and I'm I'm just so, uh, so proud to be a part of it. I'm curious as you reflect back on, on this and all that you've just been talking about, why do you think that some brands or organizations are still neglecting this power of emotion and emotional insights in their approach to growth? It's really easy to get stuck in the numbers. As, as impactful as giving 64,000 bags of food is, and I can talk about that, when you have someone stop into your place and actually hand someone a bag of food and they look you in the eye and say, thank you. And you help them bring it to their car and they're like, kids are sitting in their car or their dog or something. And, and you can actually see the people waiting and the smiles, but the relief that you're bringing to individuals, that's what it comes down to. And then to have people enable them to feel, but also hear that story from their friends and from their neighbors, that's, that's really the key to our success, Kevin. It's, it's, you know, it's really that one-on-one -on -one interaction that so many of our, our volunteers, um, and staff and local corporations and national corporations when they when they come and visit they get to have that opportunity you can't replicate often that human interaction um, and i think that's what the the, the branding brings together um, but the branding from that you've helped create you know with the limbic sparks it's such a delicate feeling and to put that simply or align that and describe that spark, right? It's just a poof to, to do that is magical. And that's where, that's where it begins with that poof, but also that little, that, that little, uh, that little bit of magic to be able to capture that and tell that to other people is what, uh, keeps us going. I think of Disney with the little fairy, you know, who yeah. runs around and twink Tinkerbell, right? So Tinkerbell, when she drops her little, um, her three little stars, that's kind of what we're doing. And yeah. uh, it's, it's so much fun. And if you were to give, um, you know, a suggestion to anyone out there who's looking to do this, what do you believe is are those best ways to create limbic sparks and, and those moments when emotional motivation meet brand desire and and, and how, how would you suggest that they actually start that process? First, know yourself. Get hold of your code, your moral code. Why are you there? And it doesn't matter, you know, what your company is or what they're selling or what they're doing. Figure out why you are there. Then from there, you can start. But until you have your you know we have like 10 commandments on our wall until you 
realize and think about what is motivating the people around you to actually work there because we all have choices in what we're doing. Why are they actually there and what keeps them going every day? If you can talk to the talk to the people who the creators, the workers, well, that motivation and bring that alive. I love it. That is so cool. So as a brand leader, what is it you know now that you wish you knew years ago, maybe something that others can learn from? What I know now that I didn't know then was sort of this confidence. I think that there is this level of confidence that you develop over time if you concentrate on what makes you happy and you can bring that to the table and you share it with the people around you. And those things that bring you joy, if you've thought about it, you can talk to other people about what motivates them and brings them joy. And then you can share that as your brand. But until you've figured it out yourself, it's very hard to embrace other people's happiness. So I think that's part of what I've personally developed. And, and it's something that I work on, but it's something that I enjoy working with others to figure out what is going to make them happy. And I just, we just did a, uh, we have an intern at, in the office right now, uh, somebody who's getting their degree in social work from Rutgers. And she did a positivity workshop with our youth council and the youth council loved it. And it was so great. So I brought it to the office. Um, I said, Leah, bring your workshop and we're going to sign up and we'll we'll have it in our office. We're going to think like, how do you develop positivity? And she brought it to the office. And this is one of the things that if nothing else I have ever done at Rise, the staff, and I will cry, Kevin can attest, even though you can't see me, but the staff in the office said that one of the reasons they love coming to work, it's because it's their safe place and they come to work to be happy. Mm -hmm. That is all I could ask for as a leader. Unbelievable. Leslie, thank you so much for joining me today on Let's Talk Limbic Sparks. For more, go to limbicsparks.com. And if you're curious about RISE, go to njrise.org.